obesity. Over one in three Americans struggle with it every day. Thankfully, real weight loss solutions have arrived in the western suburbs. The Northwestern Medicine Metabolic Health and Surgical Weight Loss Center at Delnor Hospital is now open and ready to make the community a healthier place. With their resources and an entire team of medical experts on your side, your weight loss goals are within reach. Go to westweightloss.nm.org to schedule a consultation. Northwestern Medicine. Better. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Cubs fans, and welcome back to another edition of Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside my usual co-host, Adam McGinnis. This week is a lot of talk about the upcoming MLB All-Star Game. We have three Cubs going to the All-Star Game right now, two voted in by the fans, and of course, one of our pitchers going. Before we dive into that, I would like to welcome in Adam. How you doing tonight, buddy? Fantastic. Thanks for asking. You got it. So, as you probably know as a Cubs fan by now, your Cubs All-Stars in 2018 are Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras, and John Lester. John Lester is making his fifth career All-Star game. Wilson Contreras and Javi are making their All-Star debuts. So, this is really exciting for guys like Contreras and Javier Baez. You saw the video of Wilson Contreras you know, tearing up through joy being uh, voted as the starting catcher for Team National League. Uh, Adam, when you heard the news about who was going to be in the All-Star game, what was your reaction? Surprised? Not surprised? Uh, what did you think? Um, I'm not surprised. As far as the Cubs are concerned, I think they got it exactly right, the fans. And I know some people are not real happy with the system right now. It's a little flawed. Obviously, some players around right. the league got snubbed. But I think I think Baez, Contreras, and Lester, those three are deserving to be there. And you know, of all the Cubs, I think, yeah, I think this is about right. I've really got no gripes as far as Chicago is concerned. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Wilson Contreras, let's talk about him because I think – let's. You'd be surprised when you look at his stats because a lot of people for a lot of the season are like, where's Wilson Contreras? Where, where's Wilson Contreras? Well, the answer is he's been there. He just hasn't been hitting the home runs like we thought he would. But you look at the slash as of 7:10, as in July 10th, just to make that clear, you got a 284, 372, 461 slash seven home runs. Did we think there were going to be a few more home runs? Yeah, but you look at the basic average on base numbers, that's pretty dang good, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Offensively, he's been just fine. He's been an above-average bat, and yeah, like you said, the power hasn't been there like it was the last couple of years, but, you know, that's okay. That's one of those things that kind of comes and goes for power hitters like that, but, you know, you don't always look for elite offensive numbers from a catcher either, you know, they're the primary objective there is to be good behind the plate and Wilson's about as good as there is in the league right now. So yeah, he's had a good year at the plate and behind the plate and he definitely deserves to be in the all-star game. 
And you have to consider, too, that there are a lot of great, exceptional catchers in the National League. I mean, JT Riamuto is leading in F4. Obviously, oh, yeah. he's one of the bigger snubs. Uh, yeah, yeah, as you know, Posey. he's really good. I mean, Posey's been the best offensive catcher as a whole, really going back since 2010. And then, of course, you got Yadier Molina. you got a lot of talent behind the dish in the National League. So it's, it's really a tight vote. But Wilson Gutierrez is second in F4. When you saw that he was second in F4, obviously you knew how good he was. Were you surprised he was that high? No, I really wasn't. I mean, he's had his ups and downs this year. He hasn't really had any hard slumps, though. I mean, he's had little mini slumps here and there, but overall he's been pretty consistent throughout the year. And that's something the Cubs have lacked from certain players, so it's nice to have in Contreras. And no, I'm not at all surprised to to see that he's been so valuable. I mean, he's got a gun behind the plate. Nobody is more fun to watch than Contreras and Baez, that duo throwing guys out at second. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I can't think of a better catcher in the National League right now, to be honest with you. Here's something that's kind of interesting about Contreras. His rookie year, 2016, he played 76 games before the game tonight in San Francisco, so from the beginning of the season through July 9th, he's played in 78 games. So pretty much the same sample size as his rookie year as to now this season. Uh, His rookie year, he was 282, 357, 488, 12 home runs. And then this year, the stat I just read, so the average is about the same, 282 versus 284. The on-base percentage, it's up from 375 to 372. Last year in 117 games, it was 356. So you're seeing some really good on-base numbers here, and they continue to grow. And I think that's really nice to see. And the other nice thing about Wilson is you've seen him have some really good at-bats. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, he works the count well. He swings at good pitches. Um yeah, it, I wish the power was there, but you know what? The Cubs have a lineup with so much power in it that they can afford to have certain guys lacking in that department because they've got other guys that can pick up the slack. You know, and I also have that feeling that Wilson's power numbers are going to hype up in the second half. So, like I said earlier, right now he's at seven. Right now he's probably on pace for 15. I'm not sure he's going to reach 20. But I could see him hitting maybe 12 home runs in the second half, maybe 13, 14. Yeah, and that'd be great. I mean, if he keeps this up, if he hits around 280, 285, keeps getting on base at the clip he is, hits 20 or so home runs, and keeps playing defense the way he is, that's a fantastic season. Absolutely. I mean, look at the F4 right now. It's, it's really good. You know, for a catcher through this point of the season, 2.6. You got to love that. The other thing I really like about Wilson Gutierrez is, you know, he may not be right now the best pitch framer. We've seen some struggles in that department behind the plate at times. He, he's not as good as, say, Miguel Montero. Say what you will about Miguel Montero, but he was a heck of a pitch framer and a really good guy to pitch to behind the plate. He called a great game. You've seen some up and downs from Gutierrez there, but he makes up for it in pretty much every other aspect. He's got that gun of an arm, like you mentioned, and also 
he's he's the kind of guy that brings a lot of energy to the team. And I know it sounds a little cliche, but I think that's valuable, wouldn't you think? It's valuable. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely valuable. And you know what? In the grand scheme of things, you know, Wilson Contreras is still pretty young, and this is only yeah, his third 26. year in the bigs. So it's not like we have to accept his pitch framing skills for what they are for the rest of his career. I mean, he could very easily improve in that department over the years, and I suspect he probably will. But uh, you know, as far as all the duties of a catcher goes, eh, the pitch framing is not at the top of my list of priorities. Yeah, I wish he was a little better, but I think he will get better. Yeah. Yeah, the the nice thing about Wilson Contreras is that he has the opportunity to keep learning from veterans like John Lester, especially. There was actually something really cool the other day. I was listening to the radio, and John Lester was talking about how much he's grown with Wilson Contreras, how much their relationship has heightened. Because let's face it, you know, Wilson Contreras and John Lester – you know, one's a veteran, one's a very energetic young guy, and John Lester's been doing his thing a certain way with a certain player in David Ross for so many years. When you get another guy like Wilson Contreras, it can make things a little different. You know, it can change things up a little bit, and there can be kind of a, a kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say a curve, but there could be some growing pains. We saw it last year in the first half, especially when Contreras started catching Lester. They weren't always on the same page. You could see some frustration with Lester, but he's talked about how much he's grown with that. And I think that's a reflection on both their characters. Yeah. And you know, the truth is Lester and Contreras are probably never going to have the same relationship or dynamic that Lester had with Ross. But yeah, I mean, we're seeing it in the stats this year. Lester and Contreras are obviously uh, a much better duo than they were last year. And so, yeah, I mean, the Cubs for the last few years have been a team that have relied on the veteran guys kind of mentoring the younger guys because the Cubs, you know, relative to the rest of the league, are still a fairly young team, especially uh, the position players. But, uh, yeah, I think Contreras has probably learned a lot from Lester, and I'm glad to see that they're uh, working well together. Me too. Me too, because they're both very important to the team. And mentioning David Ross again, I don't think we're ever going to find a catcher-pitcher duel that worked like it did like those two. I mean, that was you, – you've heard of personal catchers before. It's happened in Major League Baseball. But if you want to look at the definition of a guy who uses a personal catcher, that was Lester and Ross. The relationship there, you don't find that very often. No, and Lester, you know, he can get a little uh, temperamental on the mound, and David Ross was right. always great at, at being able to kind of keep Lester's emotions in check. He could tell when when he was getting a little uneasy, and so you know that's the kind of thing that you know Contreras is not going to be able to replace that as easily. But uh, but that's what happens, you know. That's professional sports. Players come and go in a hurry. Yeah, you know, some people just have that certain chemistry, but if you're seeing a good enough chemistry build up like it is with Contreras and Lester, that's great. And I, I oh, love yeah. the fact that they're growing together like this. I really do. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's working for sure. Well, why don't we just go to John Lester while we're at it? Uh, we were talking about Wilson Contreras and John Lester. We'll move on to John Lester, the all-star pitcher from the Cubs. Uh, 
I mean, what can you say about him? The guy just grinds his way to effectiveness. He's not overly flashy. He's not racking up strikeouts or blowing smoke by guys. He's just grinding his way through it. And that's really the only way I could describe it. Yeah, a sign of a great pitcher is, well, in my opinion, is how they hold up when they get into their uh, their uh, twilight years. I don't want to say that Lester is at the end of his career, but he's 34, I think. So yep. if we're being honest, that's he's getting towards the end or at least closer to it. And pitchers that old that figure out how to stay effective and productive that late in the game when they've obviously lost some velocity and some snap, you know, Lester's a smart guy. He knows, he knows how to do it. And uh, the last few starts haven't been great, but overall in this first half, he's been phenomenal. Yeah. And I wasn't really surprised to see those last few starts not go as great, but even though they weren't as great, they still weren't bad. You know, they were respectable starts. Right. As long as he's not walking guys, which he's really not, that's that's kind of all I care about. You know, keep the ball in the yard, don't walk guys, and let your defense do the rest. And that's what he's done all year. Right, exactly. The, the command is, you know, an important thing to have. And we've seen this year where he's, I don't know how intentional it is, it probably is intentional, but he's pitching for contact because he's got the defense behind him to back it up. So I think part of being a smart pitcher is knowing who your defense is and trusting them by pitching to contact when you can't strike out a ton of guys anymore. I think that's right. really important. Yeah, and it's for Lester, it's not just knowing who your defense is, but it's also knowing who you are. Lester right. realizing that he's not – 25-year-old Lester anymore, and so you got to make some adjustments. You know, we've seen a lot of elite pitchers get to that age, and they don't really make any adjustments, and they pitched the same way they did when they were in the prime of their career, and that you can't always get away with that. Exactly. I mean, John Lester has been one of the quote-unquote smarter pitches, uh, pitchers for a while. You look at his career strikeout numbers, and he's had some good strikeout seasons, no doubt. He struck out over 200 guys in several seasons. But as he got older, you saw those strikeout numbers go down a bit, and that's when he's made some adjustments. You know, you've seen the defense make some really good plays behind him, and that goes to show how important it is to have a good defense. And you see John Lester has been able to go fairly deep into a lot of ball games. In some ball games, he's gone seven innings. And that's something that the Cubs rotation as a whole has not done. So the fact that he's able to do that is another big bonus. Yeah, like you said, that's been kind of a problem for the Cubs rotation, uh, getting deep into innings. And uh, that's going to come back to bite him sooner or later with the bullpen because the, the bullpen as a whole has been pretty good despite – some injury troubles and some guys not performing as well as they have been. But yeah. And see with Lester being as old as he is, God, I feel like I've been talking about that a lot, how old Lester is making him sound like he's getting ready to head to a retirement home. But I was, I was wanting to see the Cubs not overuse him this year. 
you know, maybe pull him after six instead of letting him go seven or eight every single time just to kind of preserve his arm a little bit because they're going to need him to be effective down the stretch, especially with the way the Brewers are playing. Yeah. Well, you know, you talk about John Lester's age. 34 isn't ancient, but it's not young either. I think what makes John Lester more seemingly old is the fact that he's got a lot of miles on him. Because you look at his career, he's been extremely durable. Ever since he defeated cancer in 2006-2007, he's been at 200 or almost at 200 innings every year. Like, he does not get hurt. And he debuted at age 22, which is, you know, that's pretty young for a starting pitcher to break into the league in the majors. You know, typically they're like 24, 25, sometimes even a little older. It, it seems that way to me that the pitchers get into the league out of the minors a little later than the position players do. Right. And if he wasn't sick, he could have been doing it, you know, even more at a younger age. Oh yeah. What's amazing is that Italy. he was sick, but he he didn't he defeated it and he got right back at it. And I think that's very admirable. But like I was saying about the age, you look specifically at what he's done, like how much he's pitched. You look at the innings pitched and he's at 2290.2 innings in his career. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot, yeah. That's 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 cause enough for concern to, you know, like I said, don't overwork him. You know, if you've got a comfortable lead after seven innings, there's no sense in trotting him out for the eighth. Right. I I, I get that as well. When he gets older, it's obviously harder to go as far and have the right stamina that he's had before. Though I do feel like he's the kind of guy that is willing to go that far. He he shows no fear. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, to your point, you want some of these other pitchers going deep as well. It's going to be important for the bullpen. It's going to be important for John Lester. It's just important for the team that other guys follow John Lester's suit and go seven innings at least. I mean, that would be really helpful. One last thing I wanted to point out in terms of Lester's durability since 2008, Every full season he's pitched, so from 08 to 2017, he has made no less than 31 starts. No less. That is really good. <laughs> that, that's pretty impressive. It is impressive. And, I mean, you know, that, that's why. That is hard I'm to sorry, find. That is hard to find in the big league yeah, right now. Yeah, it is now. hard to find. That's, it's not very common. It is not, and that's why his age seems higher than it is for the sake of just having all those miles on it. it it's, it's both years and miles, if that makes sense. It's a combination of yeah. the two. Yeah. So is there anything else you wanted to point out about John Lester before we moved on to Javi? No, I think we nailed it. We, we did it perfect. We're so good at I think this. we did, too. Let's move on to Javi. Javi, the leader in F-War on the team. Okay, so here's my question for you. Before we get into the specifics, would you say that in terms of offensive production, this means hitting, this means base running, would you say he's the most valuable guy on the team in terms of offense? 
Yes. I I think that he has more or less kind of put the team on his back this year. Last time we talked about Javi potentially being an all-star, I can't remember if it was like three or four weeks ago, he was kind of slumping a little bit at the time, hitting around yeah. 260, maybe 290-ish on base percentage, and I said, no, he's not an all-star. And with those numbers, he wouldn't be, but obviously I was a moron, and now I've changed my tune, and he absolutely deserves to be there. Javi's going to be Javi. He's not going to walk a whole lot. 326 nope. on base percentage is it's nothing special. That's about league average, but everything else has been terrific. I mean, he's hitting for power. He's driving in runs. He's slugging like a madman. 558 and, slugging. That is impressive. And there is no better player on the base paths right now. You know, I don't care what the advanced stats say. There is no better base runner than Javi Baez right now, especially avoiding tags. My God. He's like a ninja. He's like a freaking ninja. The way he's on doing every, those swim moves and stuff. That's on cool. Every base, that's whether like, it's home plate, yeah, second base. Yeah, that dude is a major league John Wick, what he's doing. And <laughs> so and you know, that that's part of why I can look past the on-base percentage because the all-star game is for the fans and the fans want to see the exciting players in the league. And Javi is kind of in the top five of exciting players in the league right now. So he's totally justified in being there. Well, I'll say this in terms of if you're looking at advanced stats for looking at ultimate base running right now, he's a 1.7. So that's definitely above average, but I'm a guy who does really like a lot of advanced stats, but the swim Ooh. moves that he does, that's just something that you got to love that you just, it, it, you can't really measure it. You just, you see it for what it is. And exactly. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, obviously as writers, we use those advanced stats sometimes, some, some more than others, but I've always kind of been of the belief that, you know, your eyes don't lie. You know, if I'm looking at a guy playing horribly, I'm not I'm not going to buy into you telling me that the advanced stats say otherwise. You know, I get that some of them are really useful and interesting, but uh more often than not, I think the the truth is plain to see on your your television, but by all accounts, I would say Javi has been great. He's just the only thing, literally the only thing, is that he doesn't walk very much. And he swings that, at some bad pitches. Yeah, he swings at some bad pitches every once in a while, but less so this year than in previous years, which is great to see. That's progress. And who knows, maybe he'll walk more as the seasons go along. I'm not going to hold my breath, but I think it's possible. You want to know something that's kind of interesting, and I am going to bring some stats into this, but I, I do think you will find this interesting. If you're looking at the last several years of Javi Baez, particularly 16 and 17, if we're talking just batting, we're not talking about drawing walks here. We're talking about batting. So last year he was 273. The year before that, exactly the same, 273. Uh, the OPS, uh, 737 and 16, 796 and, uh, oh, sorry, 373, 16, 796, 17. And then this year it's 884, so it's way up there. Now the BABIP, batting average of balls in play, 336 and 16, 345 and 17, and 341 and 18. 
in terms of just swinging and getting hits, regardless of doubles, singles, whatever, I mean, you're seeing some consistency here. And I think that says a lot about a guy who's such a free swinger. Yeah, I mean, he's shown a little more discipline this year than he has in the past. And in a lot of categories, he is improving. So, you know, with Chris Bryant being injured and kind of slumping for a lot of the year, it's been great to see somebody like Javi Baez uh, pick up the slack and, and really carry the team, I think. Uh, same goes with Addison Russell. I know he's not an all-star, but he's really elevated his game lately. Yeah, I mean, really elevated his game. I'd say, what, the past month or so? It, him and Hayward are kind of the guys that really got hot at the dish in a way too late in terms of all-star voting, but in terms of contributing to the Cubs, I thought they're coming around just fine. I mean, at the end of the day, all-star voting does not mean anything in compared to like contributing for your team. So right. Jason Hayward and Russell, the way they're hitting, I mean, especially Jason Hayward, it's almost like a totally new guy up there. You watch him and you expect him to get on base now. We couldn't say yeah. that the first two seasons. No, it was it was the complete opposite the last couple seasons. He would go up to bat, and you're just like, okay, double play or strikeout, which one are we getting? And now it's a lot of pop-ups. Oh, yeah, a lot of pop-ups. And this year, it's been totally different. He's just – you can tell he's more confident now, which is great, and that's that's been good. But it, I love seeing him hitting at the top of the lineup. That's been awesome. And you know, while we're talking about guys who have heated up lately, Ian Happ has been hitting pretty well as of late. I don't know if people have been paying much attention to him, but the last month or so, he's actually been getting pretty hot. You look at his stats right now, he's got an on-base percentage of 378. That is nearly a 380 on-base percentage. On top of that, a slugging of 448 and an OPS of 827 batting average at 256 you consider the horrible start that he got off to putting up those numbers to me that's kind of amazing oh yeah i mean 256 doesn't jump off the page but a month ago today what was he hitting like 228 so i mean he's really caught fire lately and i mean i think you you can tell the cubs trying to find ways to get him in the lineup too he's playing has he played third base recently? I think he maybe has. Yeah, he's played yeah. some third base. I know he played third base during the Twins series at the game I was at. Yeah, so, I mean, he's hitting so well that the Cubs are, are going out of their way to get him in the lineup. Yeah, here's something kind of interesting. Ian Happ last year played in 115 games. He had 17 doubles. Right now he's got 11 doubles, so he's getting close to matching his rookie year in doubles. He's got 10 home runs right now, uh, 14 off of what he did last year. Even if he like matches or comes just short of matching last year's home run totals, if he could keep that on base percentage up, I mean, right now, 378 versus 328 last year, that is a huge jump. Oh yeah. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that out of somebody that young too. Exactly. And right now, I'm not really a big B-War guy at all, but 
his offensive B war right now is 1.3. Last year was 1.8, considering the start that he had, and he's climbed up to that point, and it looks like he's just going to continue to keep climbing. I think that's that says something a lot right there. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad you brought him up, because when you look at his numbers right now, you really don't realize how good that on base is. You, you look at it, and you almost have to do a double take. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's been kind of uh, under the radar these past few weeks, but he really has improved a lot, and he's playing it at a high level right now. And obviously, he doesn't deserve to be an all star. And right. I don't think there, I don't think there are any. We talked about snubs earlier. I don't think there are any Cubs who got snubbed. Really, I think it pretty much is right for the Cubs anyway. Some some guys in the league did get snubbed for sure. Who? So I just some guys some guys got snubbed, some guys are there who probably I I don't think Bryce Harper should be an all-star this year. I mean, snubs in general are always going to happen. That's never going to go away unless they get rid of the fan voting, but even so, there'll always be snubs. It's it's not all fan voting though, I don't think. I like I don't understand the system real well because I think it's it's partly the fans, partly the players, the managers and uh and GMs too maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're basically getting fan voting for the starters uh position player wise essentially. That's that's the main part that affects the All-Star game is the starters that right. gets the votes from the fans. Yeah, I mean, while we're talking about starters, Blake Snell, my god. Yeah. That's a huge snub. That's a really yeah, that's huge bad. snub. That's like that's almost an embarrassing snub. That's not a good Remember look for Arietta the league. Remember when Arietta was snubbed in his Cy Young year? He wasn't yeah. an All Star that year. Yeah. So I mean, there's some. It doesn't really bother me that much. And you know, once the All Star game is gone and passed, I don't care. I suppose maybe it makes a little bit of difference for these guys once they hit free agency, because then they can hand in their resume and be like, "Oh, look, I was a four-time All Star." Maybe that helps a little bit. Maybe not. Sure. I would think, I would think that they could just rest on their numbers. But uh, yeah, my my two big gripes are, are Blake Snell should have been there. Bryce Harper shouldn't be there. Yeah, that's fair. There's probably a bunch of others that we could think of if we look into it. Now, there's one player on the Cubs I would like to talk about that I think has put up some worthy numbers of conversation. Can you guess who that is? I'm going to guess Albert Almora. That too, but the, I'm thinking of another one, ah. also in the outfield. Dang it! Okay, um, Hayward. No. Schwarber? Yes. Schwarber's not an all-star. Come on, man. 376 on base, 492 slugging, an F war of 2.6, an OPS of 874, a defensive war of 3.6. I think he, he's got to be in a conversation. He He's not a starter. He's not a starter. Mm-hmm. I get that. No, but because... But who are you gonna who are you booting? Bryce Harper, we can agree on maybe. I don't know if you do or not. Bryce Harper, we can agree to boot. But there's definitely other outfielders in the National League that have been better than Schwarber that you could replace him with. No, right. I mean, I'm not trying to compare to a bunch of guys. I'm just saying those numbers are all star worthy in a number of cases. I mean, those are those are good numbers. I'm 
I'm kind of old school in the sense that if somebody's hitting 249, that's, you know, I know batting average is not everything. Shut up, everyone. Yeah, I get it. It's batting average is not that. He's got the same Winwood created plus of Javier Baez, 130. Yeah, but that's just another case of screw your advanced stats. They they don't always. I don't know. Look, if you're hitting 249, you're probably not an all-star. And that's the way it's always been. That's the way it's going to stay. Yeah, obviously not, though, because Bryce Harper is hitting 218, and here he is in the all-star game. If he was batting 249 with an on-base of 320 below and a slugging of 400 or below, then I'd agree with you. But the on-base and the slugging and the home runs, I mean, that right there is good. But the thing about the thing about Harper's on base is it's you know it's not so much that he's got a good eye. I mean he does, but he's just getting walked a lot just because pitchers don't want to deal with him. So well, I think that's that, Harper. I'm talking about Schwarber. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Schwarber, you're right. Schwarber sees the ball well. He has good at bats. He 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 lays off bad pitches. You're right. But. If all you're doing is walking and hitting home runs, you, know, you got to show a little more than that. And I know he has been good in the outfield this year, despite some you know, a handful of bad plays. Overall, he's been very good defensively. It's the arm. Which is, the arm is what's been helping him yeah. up those advanced stats in the outfield, which is important. It's good to throw guys out. Yes. So, but you know, overall, I would say no. I, I don't think Schwarber is even really close to being on the fringe, to be honest with you. I think he's had a good, solid season, not an all-star season. Well, we would probably be able to debate this for a long time, but since we have a limited time here in 10 minutes, we'll move on to a few other topics I wanted to discuss really quickly. Um, I was going to bring up guys that we thought were going to be all-stars this year, but weren't because not because they were snubbed, but because they've been disappointing. If you had to pick one guy who you thought was going to be an all-star, but ended up being very disappointing for the Cubs this year, who would it be? Anthony Rizzo. I agree. That's exactly who I was going to say. He did the same exact thing last year where he got off to a really, really slow start and he kind of picked it up in the second half. And I was sure that this year he would, he would come out of the gates hot and just kind of carry the team, uh, look like the Rizzo we're all used to, the all-star Rizzo. I was positive he was going to be an all-star this year, but he's been pretty disappointing and he pretty much lost the Cubs the game last night. Yeah, and the thing with last year's Rizzo was he did get off to that slow start, but he rebounded fairly quickly, if you remember. He came back maybe in May and started playing more consistent. We've seen recent flashes of the real Rizzo, and then he'll go into a terrible slump again. I mean, right now he's batting 240 with a 336 on base. A 336 on base for Anthony Rizzo, that's not good. For him, it's not good. I mean, the RBI and home run totals look about right, but a lot of other things just aren't the same. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, that when Anthony Rizzo is playing really well, it seems to make a difference for the rest of the team, too. They all sort of click together. But, yeah, yeah, I've I've been very disappointed in Rizzo this year. He's not been the the offensive leader like I thought he would. 
I mean, I'm I'm sorry, I'm gonna bring up some advanced stats right now, but if you're going off F four, he's barely replacement level right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean I believe that. That that sounds about right to me. That he's not played particularly well this year. Now, I know his BABIP is low, a BABIP of 239. I know he hits into the shift a lot, but here's the thing. With Rizzo, you're seeing just a lot of weak ground balls right into the shift. He doesn't strike out a lot. He makes contact, but, man, you're just you're seeing a lot of just weak grounders, I feel like. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's just one of those things. I don't know if that'll fix itself in the second half or not. I would like to think that he'll get hot, but right now I'm kind of of the mindset that this is just going to be the way Rizzo is this year. And, you know, that sucks, but you've got Javier Baez playing better than he ever has before. Albert Almora swinging a hot stick. Chris Bryant hopefully coming back as soon as tomorrow. So regardless of whether Rizzo picks it up or not, I think the Cubs will be just fine. Yeah, and you know, I can see Rizzo coming back and rebounding because you know what? He's too good of a ball player to have really a long slump. Maybe this will be a down year. And you know what? Players have down years. It's just surprising when the last four seasons, he has been as consistent as it gets in terms of a full season. He's always had streaky moments in every season played, but over the course of 162 games, the numbers he puts up at the end of the day, I mean, they're pretty much the same year in, year out. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And you know what? The more we talk about it, the more I'm convinced he's going to heat up and he's going to... I'll bet you $5 he, he finishes the, the regular season batting over 270. Yeah, right now, if he has a good second half, I could see kind of a 275, 276 uh, type season. And, you know, the on base around, I don't know, the last few years, last year it was 392, the year before 385, the year before 387, the year before 386. Again, that that's how consistent he's been. Uh, so if he has a really good second half, hopefully he could be somewhat around those numbers. Because he had a very disappointing first half, it may not be quite that high, but if it's somewhere close to where he usually is, I mean, that's what you want at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm I'm not worried. Nah, and I think, like a lot of people have told me, their opinions, I, I agree with this opinion. I think when Bryant comes back, you could kind of see him perk up a little bit. Sometimes just one of those weird things. Um, and, you know, speaking of Bryant, we could talk about him, too, not being an all-star, but that's a different reason. He's been hurt. And before he went on the DL, he was really struggling those few weeks. And it seems pretty obvious that he was hurt during that time. So that's just one of those unfortunate things. Yeah, and I, honestly, I was kind of relieved when he went to the DL just because, you know, now I I feel more confident that when he comes back, he's going to look like the Chris Bryant we all know. Yeah, exactly. And as many may know, he was rehabbing in Tennessee with the Smokies uh, the past few days. Uh, he had a home run in his first game with the Smokies. He said that it was really great being back there because his best memories, according to him, were with the Smokies. 
And you remember in 2014, he was with the Smokies and the Iowa Cubs. He hit like 54 home runs that year. It's like every day, oh, breaking news, not really breaking news, another home run from Chris Bryant. He put up some monster numbers as a minor leaguer, especially with the Tennessee Smokies. So I bet that was kind of cool for him. Yeah, I guess. Minor league home runs. I don't care. Well, I mean, he spoke from a personal level, so I'm just saying for him it was probably cool. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's cool. Hit, oh, hit I care home about runs really. Mate. <laughs> yeah. I, mean. I have a hard time getting excited about the minor leagues. It's just, that's a thing. I, I well, do love really smoke. Ex- I love Little Smokies with barbecue sauce. If we're talking oh, about too. Smokies that give us good memories of Smokies, mmm. Yeah, those are good. Those are good. Okay, yeah. I mean, I wasn't like, you know, running around screaming, oh my God, he had a home run with the Smokies. It just, I'm just saying, it brought yes, back some were. memories of the days pre-rebuild. It just, it felt kind of interesting. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that. Speaking of which, did you see my article on Casey Coleman that I did for Cubby's Crib? I have not read that yet, no. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Casey Coleman, the former Cub, re-signed with the organization, and he's pitching with the Iowa Cubs. Uh, did not go well in his major league career with the Cubs at all, but it's just it's really interesting to see him. It's like, you know, the last time we watched him pitch, they were in the beginning of their rebuild. They were losing 100 games in 2012 when he was pitching. I just think it makes you appreciate how far this franchise came in that period of time from 2012 to now. Oh yeah, 2012, dark times. That <laughs> that was not yeah. not an easy period to be a fan. There was not a whole lot to look forward to, not a lot to to watch, but yeah, that's I think Cubs fans have kind of taken things for granted lately. Uh they seem to panic a little too much when things don't go their way, even though they're like 14 games over 500 in mid-July. So, you know, we get a little taste of, of the championship life, and all of a sudden the expectations are so high, so unrealistically high. More, more, but, more. All you want is more. Yeah. Nobody's allowed to strike out anymore. Anytime, any any little <laughs> slump, the guy needs to get sent down and be demoted. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, but I love it though. Well, again, it's just it really is weird to see how it's unfolded because when you think about it, so many people have a negative look at last year. If they didn't win the World Series in 2016, or let's let's say pre 2016. If the Cubs would have had the season that they had in 2017, before 2016, there would be commemorative tapes and DVDs and books about it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, win the World Series, you can only go down from there afterwards. So, I get it. I get the disappointment in how things ended. But all in all, it was still a fantastic season. I I have no complaints that, you know. I mean, think about it. They won more games than the 03 Cubs, and they were just a few wins off from being where the 03 Cubs finished. And people look at the 03 Cubs and, like, you know, that was such a big deal when it happened, and it's 
still talked about today, while 2017, though the team was technically better, it's looked at in a negative light because it was not as good as 2016. They didn't win the World Series like they did in 2016, and they didn't have the same amount of wins uh, regular season-wise that they had in 2015, though they were technically closer to the World Series in 17 than 15. So it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that. I'll just people who complain about last year, anyone who thinks the Cubs had a bad season last year, they're morons. And that's all I'll say. Wow. Adam dropping the hammer. Um, We have 50 seconds. Uh, Do you have a quick bad food take for us before we sign off tonight? Oh man, I wish I would have thought of this in advance, but you know, I'll just say don't put ketchup on anything because ketchup in general is kind of gross. Go away. Anything you're going to put ketchup on, you'd be better off using barbecue sauce or mustard. So uh, if you're using ketchup, just don't. Do better. I mean, I love ketchup, but I also agree that those other sauces are good. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. I think we had a really good show tonight. Have a great night. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you next week. You and your family deserve an amazing dental experience. Grove Dental is proud to offer our patients compassionate, comprehensive dental care in a state-of-the-art environment that tailors your care according to your specific needs. With 30 dentists and specialists in four convenient offices in Bolingbrook, Downers Grove, Lombard, and Wheaton. We are Chicagoland's one-stop dental office. Celebrate Grove Dental's 50th anniversary with our new patient special, an exam and cleaning for adults and kids, just $49. Now that's something to smile about. Visit grovedental.com. You and your family deserve an amazing dental experience. Grove Dental is proud to offer our patients compassionate, comprehensive dental care in a state-of-the-art environment that tailors your care according to your specific needs. With 30 dentists and specialists in four convenient offices in Bolingbrook, Downers Grove, Lombard, and Wheaton. We are Chicagoland's one-stop dental office. Celebrate Grove Dental's 50th anniversary with our new patient special, an exam and cleaning for adults and kids, just $49. Now that's something to smile about. Visit grovedental.com.